Hello and welcome to episode number 348 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me as always is my brother, Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Good, good. We are back again. Um, We've found a new film to discuss, which is always nice. Um, It's always like, it always surprises me like mm. when when we actually have a, a new film to to discuss and let alone when it's like a new new film that we haven't even ever spoken about it's just like yeah i don't, I don't, I don't know really how it keeps happening horror just finds a way doesn't it yeah well this was a, a weird one obviously we'll get to talking properly about sick after the news but th- this was a strange one because this was on my radar when it came out in january mm. but then because we had like megan and some other big releases oh and then God, i just yeah. i just completely forgot about it so it wasn't until i like circled back around because i was even looking at stuff from netflix last year um like that mr harrigan's phone that, that came out in october um where obviously there was so much to discuss so i was like oh we might go back that far but then seeing that this was actually still a 2023 release even though it was a few months back i was like oh yeah yeah, we should definitely check this one out. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that shortly. There's plenty of news to talk about this week. Uh, it's all pretty exciting. A lot of different movies here to talk about. Um, this first one's pretty cool, actually. Um, what 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 are your thoughts slash opinions on the movie Beetlejuice? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I wasn't really... the response I was uh, thinking no. I was going to get. I think the, the I yeah. I've seen the movie and like I liked it, but I really do not think we need more Beetlejuice. <laughs> Is probably how I feel. <laughs> mm. I thought you obviously that not. Uh, I'm not uh, you know disregarding your point about needing a sequel, but I thought you really liked the original. Did, I, did you just I, like like it? Yeah, I just liked it. It's one that like I probably liked more when I was younger and have never mm. gravitated back to it. Yeah, and it's one that, like, I think if I was to watch it, I'd probably enjoy it quite a bit. But I've not seen it for a long, long time, and just never really felt the urge, and never had like a big thing for it. I remember, like, yeah, I definitely did like it when I was younger, but and and yeah, it's just it's one as well where it's just been battered around for so long, Mm. and like now it's happening. Like it's like it almost feels like it's just it's just been teased for too long and i'm just like over it yeah it is weird one i um did watch it fairly recently i think i watched it in 2020 um on netflix and i did it i did like it a lot like it's so weird which is what's so cool about it like Mm, we're we're, even in the pantheon of tim burton's catalog i think it really stands out as like the most unique film um and is so cool and i i completely agree with you like i don't think it ever needed a sequel because it's this such a perfectly weird film and it was also yeah you know it's the cast at the ages they were there and that you know when Mm -hmm. you know like young winona Ryder and you know, um, Ian and everything like it, it just kind of worked in that, that, yeah, that sandbox. And, and I don't, I wouldn't want to see it with new actors. I wouldn't want to see those actors rep- reprising those roles. I just wouldn't want to see anything Beetlejuice like, yeah. Well, the good news is <laughs> um, they're making a Beetlejuice too. Hooray! We're so hey. excited. <laughs> um, God, I feel like such a downer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm with you in the sense that I don't think it needed a sequel. But now that it's announced, and now we get into what it actually is, Beetlejuice two. 
next year september 6 2024 um which yeah will be a 36 year gap between the movies of course tim burton is returning to direct that's like the most important information right off the bat um i think arguably equally important is that danny elfman is returning to do the score because i think the music is easily one of the best things about that film um and then yeah kind of three of the the main actors michael keaton winona ryder and Catherine o'hara are all returning um so yeah pretty cool indeed and then yeah we have a whole host of new names as well um many of these we're pretty big fans of um the first one being <laughs> a guy who we are massive fans of willem dafoe is going to be in this movie exactly um we've also got easily like it's one of the things with this is such obvious casting but it's like sometimes obvious is great and it's yeah. general Ortega. um she's gonna yeah, be in this movie right. as well um yeah. i think she's gonna be playing the sort of daughter of winona ryder's character right um, yeah which, so again, nose, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like it's on the nose and it is obvious but <laughs> it's perfect. gonna be great yeah um and uh, we also have Monica Bellucci will be playing Beetlejuice's wife. Um, and the other name confirmed is Justin Theroux, um, who's also going to be in the movie, which I love Justin after obviously watching um, Leftovers. But I do think his career, especially in film, is like, I hope I'm wrong, but I can already tell the exact character he's going to play. Like, he always just plays like the sort of piece of shit boyfriend or piece of shit husband. And like... I, he's such a good actor if, if people haven't seen the leftovers like he's so amazing in that show and i love how they kind of subvert that expectation in that show but yeah in the movie world i unless people have got good recommendations like i've never seen justin do anything other than that very one-dimensional character um so i hope that this is where we'll actually get to see him do something else but yeah it's a it's a pretty cool cast um yeah obviously there'll be I mean, more stuff to come I, I definitely think the best way to do a Beetlejuice movie is to make sure it is a proper sequel, like what they're doing. And, mm. and like, if you've got a story to tell, great, because it's like, you know, picking up and seeing Winona Ryder, like, all these years later, her character, you know, what has she done in this time? Why is Beetlejuice coming back into her life now or whatever? Like, it, it definitely could be fun. Like, it... Mm -hmm. It is one that, like, as you were talking, I was thinking about the first Beetlejuice and all those different things. And, like, it's so fucking wild, that movie. Like, I do mm. I do want, like, I do feel like it's one, a bit like Robocop, where I think if you'd have said to me, like, before the Arrow, like, release of Robocop, mm. like, what do you think of Robocop? I'd be like, well, that's an all right movie. And then, like, we watched it, and I was like, oh, this is fucking great. Yeah. And I think, like, Beetlejuice could easily be like that for me. Like, that nostalgia could come back once I rewatch the movie. I, I probably haven't seen it for 20 years. Yeah, right. I'm glad I watched it because it was one that I don't know why I just saw it on Netflix yeah. one day and I was like, man, I've not seen this since yeah I was a kid. Yeah, um, and well, I, I definitely think quite a few times as a kid. Yeah, a lot of the humor obviously is pretty. Like I didn't understand most of the jokes as a kid. It was more of like mm. the zany visuals and stuff. Um, whereas yeah. like you, you realize how well written and how actually funny it is as a sort of adult comedy. Um, but yeah, I really liked the first movie. I'm with you that like if you just said to me, do you need a sequel? Nah, but like now we're here. I'm like fuck it. Why? not like it's it's tim burton and it's this great cast so um as well as danny elfman of course so i'm like i'm sure it'll be interesting at the very least like i, I imagine it's not going to have obviously the same impact the original mm. movie did i'm trying to think about i'm not going to look it up now because we need to move on but i'm kind of like thinking off the top of my head what tim burton has kind of done recently and whether i vibed with it but i can't really think about it off the top of my head no it's been a lot um, of you know animated stuff hasn't it 
Yeah, which obviously yeah, I just I'm not a big fan of that. Sort of like stuff, Wednesday, yeah. but then he did Dumbo, didn't he? As well, that was his most recent theatrical movie. Yeah, and how how involved was he with Wednesday? Like, did he, um, he did like four four or five episodes? Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, um I think. Um, but yeah, Dumbo was like his last movie, I think. Yeah, I've not even seen that, so I imagine right. a lot of them I haven't even seen. And that movie, that movie really did not feel like a Tim Burton movie to me when I watched it. No, it doesn't sound um, like one either. But hopefully, this is him getting back to his roots for which, sure. Which was which was the thing, yeah. So yeah, like it, you know. And I don't think he's done one for a while before then. I can't think of the last one. Like he went, he had that phase of like, oh God, what was it like, Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie and, and stuff. Yeah, and he I did. Um, he did Sweeney Todd. Um, yeah, which I did enjoy at the time, but I've yeah. not seen. I've seen once when it came out. I was like, yeah, this is fun. Um, yeah, I mean, then, then all their movies feel really old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was about fifteen years ago now. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, um, I'd be yeah. It's just weird all these things that keep getting you know like. Mm. It just feels like Michael Keaton just like yeah. re reimagining all his old IP. <laughs> it's funny isn't it it's like it's like the whole production companies have discovered like oh michael keaton's an actor and he had all these films that were cool a long time ago let's yeah. like it's weird how that does happen where i wonder we'll see that with like arnold and like these other actors where they'll just suddenly i don't mean i don't think it's gonna happen with him because he's just too busy doing other shit but like it feels weird that suddenly like michael keaton's always been there and like you know he did birdman that was kind of like this big renaissance at the time and it never really gathered steam after that um so it seems like a weird time for him to be revisiting all of these like iconic characters for him um yeah. but yeah we shall see on that one um next up is a, is a brand new movie to talk about um very exciting this one um so basically one of our favorite movies of last year was barbarian um mm. and obviously massive breakout hit for the uh, writer slash director zach Kreger, who was always going to do sort of big things after that really um and i think we even discussed like i think he signed like a first look deal and and you know had a movie yeah, in the works. I, I remember i remember that was a thing yeah whereas we actually know more information we have a title we have a sort of vague synopsis and an actor and all of these things are very exciting so uh, his new movie, which is uh, uh, an original screenplay that he wrote, um, picked up by New Line Cinema, um, will star an actor you might have heard of. We're just talking about all of our favorite actors right now. We already talked about Willem Dafoe. Um, who, do, who do you think is the next actor we're going to talk about? <laughs> uh, Richard. No, close. He was. I mean, he was in Barbarian. Exactly. Oh no, it's not Skarsgård. No, oh, it's no, it's no one. For, it's no one from Barbarian. Come on, Zach. <laughs> come on, Zach. You gave me Bill Skarsgård, and and you gave me Richard, and you're not going to cast him as your lead in your next movie. I re- I'll be oh, honest. Like, we, we'll get to it because there's clearly going to be a lot more actors in this. But he's starting hot because he's arguably the hottest actor in the world right now. After oh, the, he's, the, gone, the best... he's gone, he's gone for our Pedro, our boy Pedro. <laughs> exactly. Um, you so, leave, yeah, this... leave Pedro alone. He's such a busy man. He's I know. He needs he needs to go film Last of a Series Two. Like we'll get, we'll get to it because yeah, this is moving full speed ahead towards a theatrical release. Production is anticipated to commence later this year. Now I already we already know that Last of Us season two is starting later this year as well. Mm. Um I had already gathered that this was going to be a minor role. And then the more you dig into this, I think it's pretty much confirmed because I was going to say like, in my mind, he's playing like a Bill Skarsgård type character from Barbarian. It's like, yeah, that's probably a week. If that of shooting. Um, yeah, 
but there we actually get into some plot details for weapons, which, according to the Hollywood Reporter, um, it's being since, described. Since when does it become a Bill Skarsgård role instead of a saying Drew Barrymore? Like, is that <laughs> is that become a thing that we've transitioned? Well, first of all, he's in that he's in Barbarian way more than Drew Barrymore is in Scream. But <laughs> I just I'm just like, has that become a thing now? Where we like, where like the the troll? No, we call like... it we call it the Samara Weaving. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but no, so the, yeah, this movie. <laughs> um, this movie's being described as a multi and interrelated story horror epic, um, which. Again, that makes perfect sense to me. You think about Barbarian, you think about this multi-story aspect of storytelling. Um, and that was his first movie. So you think that the success of that means he's obviously going to want to do things bigger and better. And I always pictured it as like Pedro being one of many. Um, yeah. Because of his schedule, The Last of Us, not only is it this huge show, but it's a ridiculous shooting schedule. Um, to the point where I'd even... I, like. I assumed that he wasn't going to be in this recent Mandalorian that much. And then you watch the new season of Mandalorian and you're like, oh, yeah, I can tell that this guy's busy as fuck. Because they come up with all these different side characters and all these different side stories. And like, well, no, no, they're like, oh, maybe, maybe we could just like have Mandalorian season four and not have. Well, it's so funny because they even there. they even said like I know that this is a slight tangent, yeah. but the, the creators of the show and the showrunners even said, "Well, we've never said that that yeah, Din is the Mandalorian." Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh yeah. come on! Like it's so funny how they're trying to get away from that now because uh, yeah. our guy Pedro is the most wanted man That's in the world like, right now. Well, we should have a spin-off show called Bo Katan, but Mandalorian <laughs> season four gets a lot more money. Let's just do that. Exactly, like um, Din can just rock up every now and then. So I already assumed that that's, that was going to be yeah. the case because I'm like, you're not getting Pedro, not not right now. Like for as great as Barbarian was, you're not getting him to star in a horror movie and that be his next big project. Like it's just not going to happen. But I'm like, oh, you can get him for a short period of time, um, which is still exceptional. Like, say if he is he if he's even on like a like what Richard Brake did in Barbarian, like mm. that's still excellent. Like I would yeah. like to see Pedro in a smaller role. Um, yeah, and Pedro in a horror movie as well. I'm like, fuck yes, Pedro. Oh yeah, and like say this being described as this sort of multi-layered horror epic mm. I'm, I'm picturing almost like a horror pulp fiction style interconnected story and i think what he did with barbarian was really cool i'm, I'm not gonna lie um, i was i was picturing like one cut of the dead i think that's where he's gonna go next he's just like the madman <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely just you um because <laughs> i'm like pulp fiction is a great example i think of of yeah telling this story oh, no, no, that has right answer i just i just want him to go curveball with it and and go go full batshit yeah, that's fair. Um, but I, I think right now this is already exciting. But I just can't wait to see the trickle in because yeah. I think we're going to get. I would argue at least two or three more names of this caliber. Um, mm. And it wouldn't surprise me if if Skarsgård, at least some form of Skarsgård, shows up in this. Yeah, um, all, uh, all or many are welcome. Um, but yeah, I I cannot wait for this. Like this is very very cool. And it's weird because like Barbarian was awesome, and even though we both maybe me slightly more was like oh i really wish it was just that opening story as the whole film but but i do appreciate what they did with barbarian of like telling this multi-layered oh, story and, and yeah and, and i definitely on i rewatched it and like, i loved the other stories more than i did the first time i think i was just my the scars guard fanboy in me was just guided when it moved away from that story mm -hmm. um so I'm glad he's like doubling down on that. That that's the thing that he's like. I'm going to make that my own because I I do think there is room for that. That the it's hard to do, of course, because you need a whole 
breadth of talent that want to sign on for smaller roles but i think yeah. the fact that he achieved that in his debut movie speaks volumes and now the fact that he's already got pedro signing up i'm like this script must be well, so I was good say, that's the thing, like he, he cast great actors but like you know like justin long who's like mm. you know po- probably you know he's, he's probably a bit cheaper than pedro right now like mm. no disrespect but like do you know what i mean and so like for for a smaller movie he got but he's still got really exciting names. And then suddenly now he's got a bit of cash. He's like, I'm going for the big gun. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that's great. And like, you know, the fact that everyone he's cast has been like the names that he's, he's cast are not only names, they're names that you know are going to deliver. Yeah. You I know, can't wait for the rest great. of this to be uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and, and it's going to be mental. Um, but yeah. yeah, very exciting indeed. Um, Oh, with Leo. We need Leo. I want Leo yeah. back in the horror movie. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. That's, Matt, what that's your mission. <laughs> Good luck. I want Pedro and Leo. That's what I want. Oh, we need to stop because that would just be too perfect. Um, but yeah, very exciting. So yeah, weapons. Look forward to that one. Cannot wait for that. Um, uh, next up, this is really cool. Though. So this one um, I kind of discovered last week, really, just looking about, you know, new horror films, what's coming out or what has just come out. And th- this was the one that I hadn't even heard of. Um a movie called God is a Bullet, um, which is out really soon. Um, it's apparently coming to theatres in June 23rd, but I imagine this is going to be quite a small release. So I don't know if we'll get it, um, but apparently a digital release will follow in July. Um, but yeah, there was a short trailer for this one. Um, it stars... Uh, it, is it is it Jamie Lannister? Is that the character that he played in Game yeah. of Thrones? Because yeah. um, it's hard for me. I, I think it's Nicolaj Costa Wadal. I don't know. I'm probably butchering yeah, I'm glad you had go. Yeah. yeah, like I've, I've, I've never heard someone say it i've only ever seen it written down um yeah same he's the lead as well as micah monroe who of course we're very familiar with in the horror genre um and it's like i watched this trailer and it's funny as someone who has obviously been so down on trailers recently that i watched it for about probably less than a minute and i was like i'm sold on this immediately um Mm -hmm. and i didn't want to see the rest because i really liked it and it's basically a a very simple setup of like he He's a dad, and I think his daughter has been kidnapped by a cult. So yeah. he needs to like find someone within the cult willing to help him to track down his daughter, and that's who Monroe plays in the film. And just the visual style and everything, it had such a grimy look to it. Um, with this cult and kind of all these people with like face and body modifications and stuff. I was like, oh, this looks so cool. It really um, did look great. It had a great style to it. And also just seeing him like in this lead role, like mm. You know, I really enjoyed him as Jamie Lannister. And I'm like, you know, when you see these people that are in these crazy TV shows for so long, it's like, I remember being excited when Lost ended to think Mm -hmm. that we'd see all these characters, you know, see Matthew Fox and all this shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, nothing. And it's like, you know, with with Game of Thrones, like he is definitely one that like, I was looking forward to seeing doing stuff and like seeing him in this. I'm like, yeah, this this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. I think yeah. So did you see the trailer? Did you? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it looks I think it looks decent. Like it, it's um, you know, it, it like you say, it's got this great visual style. She, you know, Michael Monroe is is great. I think um, I, I the, you know, like the whole kind of. I think it's like his wife gets killed, or and then his daughter gets kidnapped, or something like that. And that's mm. just like, you know, it's it's a great you know revenge kind of story and yeah it just looked it looked really interesting for sure yeah i I was immediately enamored with it when Mm. you read it and it's a very obvious setup you know and you're like okay you know it depends on before 
yeah it depends on the cast and the visual style and stuff and i it just worked to the point where yeah, i i turned off the trailer so quickly because i was like i am 100 sold and i definitely want to see yeah. this film um, i don't know whether he'll have a very specific skill set or not and to be able to find his daughter but we'll see we'll see exactly we? exactly <laughs> we certainly will hopefully we'll see it in the coming months because yeah I'm, I'm very excited for this one um also the title god is a bullet is a fantastic name for a film um so yeah very excited for that one um and then, yeah, so this next bit of news, this is fascinating, sort of with Black Mirror, obviously coming so soon, cannot wait. Uh, it's been so long, as we've discussed. Um, still waiting on the official sort of release strategy from Netflix. All we know is it's June, which we're currently two weeks away from June. So I would like to know what the hell's going on. Um, if I had to bet, I'd know the exact weekend it's going to come out because it's a weekend that you and I are very busy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you want, if you want to bet it. <laughs> uh somewhere around sort of the 8th or 9th of june would be my guess but um yeah i'm, I'm excited for this and we, so we got a list of episode titles and very brief synopsises um which so obviously we know how many episodes there are now um which yeah so do, do you know the answer to this no how many do you think there are in season six obviously we had so on netflix we've had six episodes six episodes bandersnatch and then three episodes uh four episodes Oh, you're so close. It's randomly five episodes. Um, so very curious how they will do this one. Um, yeah, exactly, we, we what got... we said, though. exactly what we said that like, do the number of episodes that make sense, you know, yeah. and I like that it's just random, like five, like cool, you had five cool ideas, hopefully. Yeah, that, I'm I'm exactly with you. Like, don't be stuck to some sort of rigid schedule. And it's been a while, so I'm I'm, I'm imagine that's why it's probably longer. Because I didn't expect them to do this many episodes again. Mm. Um, but obviously, it's been four years. But yeah, we've kind of got. Um, uh, I'm just going to go through these titles and these brief synopses because they are very fun. Um, you can kind of jump in at any point if any of these are sort of jumping out to you. Uh, the first one is called Joan is Awful. Um, and they, these, again, are just like one-sentence synopses, which are great. Um, so this first one is the story of an average woman who is stunned to discover a global streaming platform has launched a prestige TV drama uh, adaptation of her life in which she is portrayed by Hollywood A-lister Salma Hayek um so that's kind of interesting like i wonder if that will go very into the metaness of netflix um next up we have lock henry which is a young couple travel travel to a sleepy scottish town to work on a genteel nature documentary but find themselves drawn to a juicy local story involving shocking events from the past um next up we have oh this one's very interesting this one definitely i'll, I'll go over the cast of this one as well is beyond the sea um it takes place in an alternate 1969 where two men on a perilous high-tech mission wrestle with the consequences of an unimaginable tragedy um well, this, this one stars <laughs> oh man the name is a... this one stars aaron paul josh hartnett kate mara and rory colkin Jesus um... Christ. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first one i'm watching yeah that might be the first one i'm watching um uh, and next up is Maisie Day, uh, which is a troubled starler is dogged by invasive paparazzi while dealing with the consequences of a hit and run incident. Um, and then lastly, with well, this one sounds called as well, uh, Demon 79 um, takes place in northern England in 1979, uh, where a meek sales assistant is told she must commit terrible acts to prevent disaster. Um, so hopefully this is a better version of Knock at the Cabin. Um, yeah, like a couple of these synopsis sound more like uh uh i don't know tales from a crypt episode as opposed they to they do 
Yeah, they do yeah. sound more horror-y, don't they, than sci-fi. Yeah, because like that, um, like, 1979, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it sounds like a cool idea, but I'm like, Black Mirror is all about, like, the future tech and all of these sorts of things, do you know what I mean? And, like, dystopian mm. futures, and that's like, yeah, but, but yeah, it, it just feels more akin to a, <laughs> to a you know, awesome. a different anthology. But, yeah, I'm down. They sound like cool synopsis, whatever they are. Yeah, I'm completely with you that, like, tech-wise, they don't sound too tech-heavy. Um, but obviously, uh, what, the one thing that stands out to me is one of them is set in England and one of them is set in Scotland. Mm. And I think that's awesome because, obviously, yeah. it has been so Americanized with the purchase mm. of Netflix. And it's been great, don't get me wrong. Um, but I loved I the Britishness. Yeah, of those early seasons in particular. Mm. Um, so I love that. Yeah, there's to me that they always should have at least one or two episodes set in the UK in some capacity. So I'm so glad. But yeah, God, just reading this and going over it now, like I cannot wait, man. This like it's already been. Like, yeah, I'm I'm already nervous. Like, hence why I'm like, we need to move on because we might just talk about this for the next hour. And so it's. Uh, oh yeah, there's. You know that we we will be covering this plentiful like i i want to do a show on all of these because this is so great um like if this happened right now we'd we'd be doing five shows on this because there's nothing else to talk about um so yeah i cannot wait for this magical show to to uh, come back and then lastly this is just a very small quick update but this is so cool because we randomly mentioned this movie either last week or very recently um which was the platform on netflix um <laughs> I think it was last week because we were saying like, oh, yeah, Netflix have been pretty quiet. Why don't they do something cool like the platform again? Um, well, it turns out they are because uh, the platform, too, um, is a thing. Um, and kind of they, they just shared a bunch of images recently this week. Um, so we know that it's done. But obviously, we don't know. There, there's no release date or anything. But I imagine that would be a quite a quick turnaround for something like that. There's, you know, a foreign language movie that once they say that it's ready, it'll probably be ready within a month, I hope. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for this i it, it is a similar movie where i'm like that first movie was a great realization of that concept that i don't think needed a sequel and obviously yeah. when we were talking about the platform we were saying oh netflix should do a great movie like the platform not another platform <laughs> mm. um but i wanted to put this in here because it's a really cool film that i'm definitely going to revisit especially before the sequel um but yeah are you are you excited in the platform too yeah and i remember like the platform like had like a story that kind of you know, it felt like there could be a continuation of that, like, mm. you know, yeah, the score, story. yeah, you know, and so like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. And yeah, that movie was great. So yeah, give me more. Yeah, it was cool. I, I just loved that that happened because I was like, oh, I, I don't think I knew that was a thing. And then it just randomly, I popped up in the last week. Yeah, which like, is cool. Did we know it was a thing? possibly um but yeah great news this week so much cool shit to talk about great new films great tv all good stuff um but yeah should we Ooh. talk about this week's film yeah we better let's talk about sick yeah like i sort of briefly mentioned uh at the start of the show really like i remember being aware of this one um right at the start of the year this came exclusively to peacock um in january and yeah kind of was like oh it's a it's a new slasher um with a certain name uh, as one of mm. the co-writers slash producers um which is of course the, the the writer of the greatest slasher of all time arguably um i just said that and then i was like maybe our, our own ranking doesn't agree with that <laughs> um <laughs> 
I guess it depends what you call a slasher. Anyway, of course, it's Kevin Williamson, yeah. um, which is great to see he's still doing shit. Like, I want to, um, while we get into this now, I'm going to have a brief look, because I know he's done a lot of TV. Um, yeah. He did, obviously, TV before Scream and around that time anyway, but I feel like he kind of settled into to TV in recent years. Mm. Um, so it's cool to see him do uh, a film, um, because, yeah, it's looking like this is his first writing credit in film since Scream 4. Um so that's exciting um and he's and it's not something that you wouldn't associate with him either he's making a slasher so he's he's sticking with what he knows yeah um but yeah why why don't you tell us a little bit about sick yeah so um sick takes place um in march april when was it april 2020 or march 2020 basically when covid struck and America is going into lockdown and our kind of leads, uh, Parker and Miri are kind of two best friends that are going to, going to do the lockdown together and kind of go off, uh, to stay at Parker's dad's, uh, like holiday home that's in the middle of nowhere. And they're going to survive the pandemic together. Um, but what we know from the beginning of this movie is there's um, some sort of serial killer on the loose. Um, what's quite cool about this is, and, and something that like I was trying to puzzle together for a chunk of the movie is like the opening scene of this movie is, it's a scream movie. It, it's the opening of a scream movie where it is basically a slasher, um, a, a killer, you know, hunting someone down and taking them out. And then we, join parker and and kind of you know just these completely seemingly unrelated individuals people that are unaware of the murder that has happened in the opening scene and them going off to this remote house in the middle of nowhere and seemingly the same kind of stalker res res their ugly head again um and it kind of happens pretty quickly, really. Like the second Parker arrives at the house, she starts getting texts from an unknown number that, mm. that clearly knows she's gone away and clearly knows that she's sat by a lake when she sat by a lake. And, and yeah, it gets quite creepy quite quickly. Um, and, and yeah, th- this, this really, the movie's weird because it feels like it would have to be shot and made a bit after covid to be mm. able to be so on on the nose with things that we now know about covid but also with such a small cast and how it's whipped together it's very simplistic you know this this is a very this is a slasher movie where we've got these two individuals that are being stalked in a house during covid and there's very little else going on you know there's a small small cast you know not much in the way of plot until we unravel stuff at the end and and you know it feels like this was made in june 2020 Mm. but it feels weird because they're far too aware of other you know (laughs) latter covid things and terminology and everything else um like i don't know when this was actually like made Uh, it was shot in the summer of 2021 yeah so that makes sense you know like a year removed um Mm. but, but the way that this is like such a small cast and so simplistic because it it as I was watching this, it, I was like, oh, yeah, clearly Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven were just, like, chilling during COVID and wanted to make <laughs> a brief movie. And I'm like, well, that wasn't possible. Mm. Because this, this really feels like that, that they, it was just, like, a palate cleanser where they're like, mm. 
fuck it we're in we're in covid i know how to write a slasher movie let's just write a little nice little slasher movie about covid and that's that's what this is yeah but yeah i mean um do you want to go into your thoughts on this one or uh why don't you kick it off this week yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought this movie was exactly what I just said. Like, it was a fun little slasher movie about COVID. I think um, everything I liked about this movie was the slasher isms of it and the 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 clear Kevin Williamson DNA. I think there's some really great suspenseful scenes in this movie. I really enjoyed the opening scene. I really enjoyed some of the earlier scenes that were very you know, a little bit Strangers-esque where we're getting, like, we can see people in the background and mm. our characters can't. I, I, I fucking love that shit. I, I'll yeah. never not love that shit. Um, and, like, all of that was just great. And it felt very familiar. Um, and it felt, like, familiar and safe in a, in a good way. That I just knew I was going to have this fun, suspenseful kind of journey and and I did, and I think um, the weird thing for me, and where I get into like my negatives on on the movie is um, movies about COVID. I I just don't really want them. Like mm. I just don't like it. I'm like, it's too real still, and it's too shit. And I'm like, I just don't want to be reminded of that shit. And like people wearing masks and people being dicks because you're not wearing a mask and like you know covid's not real and people throwing covid parties and all that shit i just like nothing this movie did was wrong but i just didn't want to be reminded of all that shit Mm. and when i was watching it i was like oh i just don't uh, it's weird because it's such like it's such a huge thing that happened you know covid and it's gonna be you know dictated in a lot of different you know mediums and 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 genres and and, you know platforms and everything else but it's just it's something that i don't really want and then and something like this i thought was okay cool because covid does take a backseat in this movie you know it, it it's it's the it's the way to get our people isolated and it's a great reason for people to be isolated and i thought to myself when this movie kicked off the um I thought, fuck, imagine if there was a Scream movie that came out during COVID where we get multiple victims and the killer can just go around because everyone's mm-hmm. trapped in the houses. And I was and like... Th- everyone has to wear a mask. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that would be great. And then this movie felt a little bit too scaled back because we got the we get the opening scene and then the rest of the movie is are two characters in this house, you know, mm. with, with, with other characters, but very few. And, and I kind of, I kind of needed like these, these two to get bumped off and move on to the next and have it mm. be more like, uh, like I said, like the, the whole thing is that this serial killer has power because everyone's trapped at home and have to wear a mask. And like that kind of interested me more. Um, but, but all that aside, I, I still had a really good, time with this it was it was a nice short movie it felt like a palate cleanser i I have my own issues with just covid in movies where i just it just i just don't want to be reminded of that shit but Mm. that aside i still had a good time with this i think you know especially the slasher stuff there was some really good suspenseful stuff in here and yeah like i said if you just said to me 
oh yeah, Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven just wanted to bash out a movie during lockdown, and they and you know they bashed it out on a tiny budget. I would have believed it to a point, and obviously that's you know half of that is true. Um, it does obviously miss that that Wes flair, um, but I mean we literally get a burning person <laughs> on fire in this movie, mm. which I was like, come on, come that was, on, buddy. that was so good, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think where this movie probably is is lacking the most is the soundtrack. I mm. think I think the the music um, is non-existent, and I think that's where it it would have been elevated a step further if if it had got a much better soundtrack. But I, I still had a really good time. Like I think I've like uh, I've talked spoken about my positives and my negatives, but overall the positives were stronger, and I did have a I did have a really good time with this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked this film a lot. Like it, it really surprised me actually how good it was. Um, mm. I think it, uh, the opening scene's excellent. Um, for a movie that was so short, um, it's like a 75 minute movie, which I think is absolutely perfect for what this is for a self-contained slasher. That's not going to have like a wild body cam and not going to have a wild twist and turns. It's very limited in what it's trying to do purposefully um, because it is this sh- smaller scope slasher. Um, and that's why the runtime works beautifully in my opinion um, and mm. goes at such a good pace. But what I loved was the fact that, it's a short movie. It's a seventy-five minute movie, but the opening scene is pretty long. Um, yeah. It's like ten, it's like ten minutes, and that's awesome because we talk a lot about the opening scene in horror and how sort of overdone it is, and how there's certain horror movies that force it in there. And I don't think that's that's obviously not an issue with slasher movies because they're always going to have a, like an opening kill unless they're doing something crazy. Um, you know, so it's not like a traditional horror movie that's like fuck, we got to have something horror-y, otherwise nothing mm. horror-y happens in the first thirty minutes of our horror film. Um, and those are the ones that feel forced. But a lot of the times, even those ones, or even a slasher, they want to get that opening kill over and done with quickly because they want to get you to your main characters as quickly as mm-hmm. possible. So then they're like, right, we're just going to throw away, oh yeah, here's the kill, cool, title card. And then it's usually like three minutes or two and a half minutes into the movie. Um, I don't want to rag on this movie again because I do think it's a good movie that just didn't land with me. But like the opening scene of Evil Dead Rise, I felt like that way of like they wanted to just get that shit as quickly as possible because they're like, we need to get you in the apartment with the family. And mm-hmm. it felt like a throwaway. Um, whereas I love that they lingered with someone uh, this character this guy who's like doing his shopping something like later as well yeah but it was like in the moment it was awesome Hmm. because it wasn't just i'll kill someone as quickly as possible to show that there's a killer and now we get to these girls going to their lake house it was like no we're just showing this guy and he's like shopping and and he's sort of slowly learning like watching the news being like oh shit this is like an actually a big deal um but it was just so well done and i think all of that stalking stuff is great and the way it climaxed was awesome and so i really wanted to give them credit for not just glossing over the opening kill which would have been so easy to do um and like I say, even in a in a long film, you wouldn't know if you you would have thought, oh well, that's why they're padding it. But it's such a tight movie that I'm glad that the one time it it wanted to slow things down was in the opening scene, which worked mm. so well for me. Um, but yeah, once we then get to our main characters, I, I'm with you where the the COVID stuff is like. I've had that point definitely where I'm like, I'm so sick of it and I just don't want to see it in anything. And I, I think I'm coming to terms with it a bit more now because <laughs> it was weird of like. That is, in general, I'd, I'd say a turn-off for me. Like, hearing that a movie is set during COVID, I kind of do still roll my eyes slightly at it. But 
it was like weirdly nostalgic at the start of this film um <laughs> just seeing like, seeing the monotony of it was what really stood out to me I, of I like think this movie is very real because a lot mm. of movies don't call the the, the disease covid and they mm. don't like this was straight up like newspaper um, um, uh, um, newsreel and everything else like this is covid like and 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 very real talking about the lockdown that we experience instead of a film version of that yeah and i, I just i i really like the monotonousness mm. nature of those opening scenes because it was obviously and still is an incredibly serious issue but for a lot of people in their day-to-day it was the most kind of sterile and boring time to be alive um Mm. because there was just nothing and it was like the most boring way for the end of the world to happen where it was like oh the end of the world ends by us following arrows on the fucking ground and having to stand six feet apart max give us terminator give us anything that's exciting whereas like say and it was like at one point of and it still is but it was like it's a global pandemic that shit is unbelievably serious but the the way it's presented to you in your day-to-day life is boring and is sterile and um was just kind of like wow is this really it it's going to be us fighting over um the last roll of toilet roll at the the shop and and i loved that that it and that was what i was weirdly nostalgic for where i was like man it really did feel like fun disappeared from the world for a while where it's like oh you know like all those things you enjoy for entertainment mm. whether it's live music whether it's sports whether it's production of film or tv like all of these cool things just just evaporated in thin air overnight and it yeah, was like you gotta oh, worry about eggs yeah exactly it's like oh all those cool distractions that you have in your life they just don't exist anymore like oh that's cool um which yeah is kind of off topic but i just like that because yeah i'm with you that i typically don't want to see this shit and we've seen it probably more than we should have already and i think that's what's so crazy about it is a lot of these things these seminal events they usually take a while to permeate into kind of pop culture whereas covid is weird because like i say we got covid movies happening during covid yeah. <laughs> like how weird is it that a pandemic and we're all on zoom together here's a movie about that that was made right during it and it came out right during it like it's so weird to me that host came out in 2020 like it's just bizarre like that should be a 2030 film you know looking back on it remember 10 years ago when we were on zoom it's so wild that they did that at the time um so that's crazy in itself but yeah i I thought they did a good job of that even though i'm not a big fan of this stuff i thought in this movie it worked um but then we yeah definitely um but yeah then once we just get to like what the movie is which is a sort of it's it's the stalking part of scream Mm. and the cat and mouse which i've always loved so much and i do in general think it's a underappreciated and undervalued part of scream because when you think about scream there's so much going on with story there's so much going on with legacy and kind of like right we're tying it back to this character and this character and you're also waiting for these big reveals so every minute detail of the characters is poured over and everything must have grand granular meaning whereas i like people just being stalked for no reason um and so i loved for like an hour in this movie that's what we got where it was like it's a limited cast so you're not going to get a bunch of kills but i do think they are quality over quantity which we can get to but um i think the kills are all phenomenal when they happen there's just not many of them which is great um and works for this film but i just love the cat and mouse i agree with you that like the the whole strangest thing when you can see the the stalkers in the background and, and the victims can't see that always is great um 
and i think the actual cat and mouse stuff is excellent like the amount of times people are just sprinting at each other i loved mm. there's a bit when they go outside the house and then they run back in the house and the stalker is probably three feet away from them the whole time while everyone's sprinting and then they just get into the door in time to slam it in the stalker's face well, i'm like think, oh stuff like that's so cool i think that's a really good point because i think this movie it always felt real like mm. the, the the key the killers or the people stalking always felt like they were doing what they wanted to do there was never a point where they wanted to kill someone and and didn't just for the because they waved a knife around you know the the whole kind of you know when when sydney is like first being stalked in the first screen movie and they're like slowly raising the knife there's like none of the, none of that shit and obviously mm. that's, that's got a point later on but but with this movie it's like yeah they are sprinting at our victims our victims are fighting for their lives. Our victims are getting the fuck out of there when they can. Mm. Like, because at one point, for example, like I hate it in movies where there are slashed tires and people go, tires are slashed, can't drive yeah. out. I'm like, mate, it's still got, it's still got round things that move. We like, said that right, this year yeah. on, when we watched Knock at the Cabin, remember? I, I brought that yeah. up because I was like, yeah. oh, they slashed the tires, we can't I, leave. And it's I like, it's it. the end of the world, just drive on your rims. I love this because, because this is, you know, it's the, it's the cheap way to get out of it, but it's probably what would happen most of the time, that you would mm. get in the car, think, uh, it's not really spoilery, like, you know, you get in the car, That's you think, fine. fuck it, I'm going to floor it because I'm shitting my pants. You floor it. And because they're flat tires, you spin off and crash a bit. Yeah. And then, and then, you, then you've lost the vehicle. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what happened in this movie. And that's exactly what, what should happen. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like, you know, there's a scene where a character gets close to like a raft and I'm like, yeah, just, just, row out to the middle of the water stay the fuck out there and that's what one of our characters decides to do mm-hmm. you know and i'm like that's exactly what i like there was one point where i i said to myself row out into the middle of the, r- the lake and just fucking chill there until the sun comes up and that's exactly what our character did and i'm like well fuck that's what i would have done and that didn't work out well great know, you, you didn't realize that the stalker had an underwater tank strapped to his back <laughs> i did not i did not but, but i really enjoyed that because yeah you know, so many times when you watch a horror movie, you know, and, and that is the, the genius of Kevin Williamson, you know, because he self-references it in screen. But it's like, how many times do you shout at the person, like, you know, run out the door instead of up the stairs? And I'm like, yeah, that happens loads of times. And in this movie, I was like, drive off like a crazy person. Mm. And they did that and, and it fucked up. And yeah, the raft thing. And like I say, a couple of other times and and... When, yeah, whenever they did what I thought they'd do, it still got them into more trouble. Um, yeah, which I thought was great. You know, there was a couple of really nice twists in it as well. Um, you know, the the and and, and 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 you know towards the end, and I and I enjoyed that, and I and I did enjoy how it all came together as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in just a sec. I, I wanted to mention one point with the stalking again is that like the comparisons with Scream or Scream are interesting because I think that um, obviously it's amazing in Scream, but like it is a limitation of the structure of Scream that the reveal of the killer needs to be this momentous occasion mm. means that you can't have as much stalking in the film because you're mentally ticking off 
different people in the film you know like you can't have extended stalking sequences with everyone and different things because it will just it'll limit what you can do in the finale and the reveals yeah. whereas i love that this movie doesn't have that because it's like well there's just two people being stalked and so i loved that they could just do loads of that it was constantly yeah. there was never going to be a twist that like one of the two victims was one of the killers or something because no. it just would have been ridiculous like no, there was there was an like another character that turns up and you're mm-hmm. like oh you're gonna be the killer and then like very quickly it's like no no they're, they're in this situation as well now yeah, that I have to say that opening bait is hilarious as well. The the way that that works because it's like the obviously yeah. the boyfriend shows up, and yeah. like the the reasoning behind why he is oh, responsive and basically breaks in and sneaks up behind them is so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that like they call out to him multiple times and he doesn't respond, and it's like because he's on the phone doing like a job interview or something. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I was on the phone, man. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, why can you just respond? And he's like, because I was chatting to someone. Like, you can just say one word. Knock? Why did you knock on a front door if you're on the phone? Then just stay in the fucking car and finish the phone call. Yeah, and he's like, oh, so I had to come round the back. And it's like, why haven't you got your car? He's, he's like, he's borrowing a friend's car. Like, it's so hilarious to get you this just the bait of you think the killer's turned up yeah. and it isn't the killer, which was so funny. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I yeah, um, probably needed a you know a second draft just to iron out a couple of those kinks. It worked, for me. It worked. Like it was it was dumb. I I don't know if they were if it was trying to be clever, but maybe I'm just letting it get away with it. But I enjoyed it for what it was. It was entertaining for me when he was like, "I'm on the phone doing a job interview." I was like, "That's hilarious to me." Um, but yeah, I think for like say for the first hour, it is just that it's a it's exactly what you think it's a self-contained stalking cat and mouse movie and i loved it i thought it was really tense really well shot um and really sort of well constructed chases around this big lake house you got a good verticality you're using the outside area as well you're using different weapons and stuff like really really well done um and it was weird because i was watching it going this is what i wanted and it's like i guess they'll over that you know they'll overcome this and that'll be it and it's just the the hook of it is that it's set during covid um whereas obviously later on we do get like reveals and sort of reasoning and motives and yeah i didn't need any of that like i was perfectly set with just what we got um as far as what we did get i was like yeah it's fine like i think some people would definitely roll their eyes at it because it's very on the nose um and i think that's very much kind of like here's how we um are able to crowbar in covid into our story in an, in an yeah. even more sort of um evasive way like you say it felt so subtle and genuine in the opening scene and, and the premise as to why they're in the lake house that all felt genuine and real to me but then when you actually get into like motives of people that's when it's like oh this is a bit weird um but i did like not obviously not to get into spoilers but there is like the moment of like a kind of reveal i guess which is excellent um it, it involving a mask as well i will say like it's it uses comedy really well in that yeah. scene as well of like the whole no, that that was what i was talking about it with it was brilliant you know, it, yeah it was it was really good i think i was i'm definitely probably like you know that group what you're talking about where it did feel a little too on the nose the the final reveals just felt a little bit too cheesy mm. Yeah. Um and a little bit too kind of perfect where I'm like yeah, I um uh, and and because that didn't land with me, I think if there was any sort of sour taste for this movie, it was through that reveal, I think mm. and, and and that's where then I was like and that and that's probably why I went on like my bit of a rant about not wanting covid in things because I was like oh, this was just 
two on the nose and I didn't really want it. And yeah, when I take that out, like the slasher shit in this was really good. Mm. Like really good. Yeah, I agree that like it's it's a shame because I didn't hate it. And I think I was in a place that because I was enjoying the movie so much and I didn't need a reveal that when we got it, I just took it for what it was and just moved on and then enjoyed the finale. Whereas I think if you hadn't seen, have you haven't seen the film and mm. someone described to you the motives for the killers and why they're doing what they're doing, it's all it would it, it's cringy to the point that you probably wouldn't want to watch the film. And that's de- that's such a detriment because this film's really good and like the actual cat and mouse and stalking and kills. As as well are really awesome um and it is just the hinge of the of the killer which seems to be a sort of a trend that even in the you know the great screams we we still have an issue with that so maybe that is just that one <laughs> element that's so hard to pull off which will always make the original scream the kind of the golden goose of the genre because it was just so perfect and i just i feel like any any trying to capture that again it, like having a cool third act reveal of a killer i, I can't remember any other film that does it as well like it, it's weird because like saw is the one that comes to mind which obviously is such a different type of movie but that's the last time i think i got a reveal at the end of the movie that blew me away to the point of scream did and like and worked so efficiently um but yeah i i will say one thing that i think is actually a positive which i i got i get your point with the soundtrack um because it's non-existent mm. um, but i loved it because i'm so annoyed with the over dramatical musical cues in films that for a mu- that for that you get a couple towards the end but i couldn't believe how subtle like you say especially the stranger stuff early on when they're just creeping about the house like most modern movies would ruin that shit because a stalker would come into frame in the back and you'd hear the dun dun loud violin and it would just ruin it whereas there's no sound so it's it's left to your imagination to just see it, which again is is absolutely what the strangers did as well. Um, but I was thankful for that. And then even later on, when we have like, I'm pretty sure when we get the fake boyfriend jump scare early on, there isn't like a stupidly loud musical cue. Um, no. There's yeah, only one the later on like the obnoxious loud noises and like you know something like a scream that the mm. soundtrack elevates it. And I think oh, this had no soundtrack. <laughs> I think that's where like. Um, you can see that, like I said, it it almost felt like we were watching a Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson collab, and then you know there was things like that that made me be like, mm. oh yeah, of course we're not, and and obviously yeah. the fact that we know we're not. <laughs> yeah, but it, I think it's crazy that we're even evoking that. I think that's mm. the thing of like if mm. you if we take Scream like as a subgenre within horror, yeah. this is like one of my favorites in terms yeah. of like what it's trying to achieve. Um, and like I say, does it nail everything? No, I, th- I think there are some weird, cringy stuff with the reveal of the killers and stuff. But like, I found it all entertaining. I liked all of the performances. I liked the performances of the killers when they when they are performing. It's yeah. just a shame that like their reasoning is so kind of s- a bit silly, um, or at least just a bit too obvious and a bit too um, predictable for what this film is. But I think it's really well done. And, and like I say, I-, I got past that quickly. Where I was like, yeah, the reveal is what it re- the re- the reveal is what it is. Now let's get to to the finale which i thought was excellent we get really fun action really fun gore and violence which i think like as i mentioned before when we get the kills they're all really good i don't think there's a wasted kill in the movie no, um no, but the final one in particular is so cool and i think yeah with that clearly the wes craven homage as well like that that just filled me with so much joy where i was like oh that's so intentional that they yeah. ended the movie like that and it just and it just ends and it's like bam 
here's the ending movie's over and i'm like great that's awesome like i think the pacing was one of the things that really carried this movie for me yeah this movie achieved absolutely what it set out to achieve like Mm. and it and it achieved it at the level that like it couldn't the scope of what it was trying to do it couldn't have achieved higher and i and i think that's what you got to look at for it and and um as well like i definitely think the 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 characters were were all very likable Mm. because because i think you know you've got um uh our, our um our lead kind of parker who is a pretty unlikable person she's like she's like a, a bitch she's got this like boyfriend that she's being like pretty crappy to she's just like making out with anyone she's not following the rules of covid very well unlike her friend and you know she's she she's a bit of a you know just not nice person but you but you but she's really likable and and dj's another one like when he turns up i'm like oh fucking dj here we go (laughs) and i'm like i kind of liked him like the more you got into it and like when he actually was like you know has these real feelings for parker and is like trying to be like look you know that you know i want to be serious with you and everything i was like i i was liking all of the dialogue and the characters and i think that shows the level of script that we had here where Mm you often would get a movie like this where the characters are just very one-dimensional and it's all about the suspensefulness and the stalking and the characters don't matter but like yeah when we had you know like you say this movie's short but you had a long opening scene and then you had a very long scene like a or a, you know a, multiple scenes where we had parker and mary just conversing getting settled in you know we were establishing their relationship we were establishing dj we were establishing parker kind of you know having this open relationship with other men and all of this stuff that that is help setting up the latter stuff and future characters and everything else but wasn't boring because i i thought the characters were all very likable mm. um which like i say it, i think is quite rare and especially in a in this sort of movie yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's a massive hallmark of Kevin Williamson's writing. Yeah. Like, that's so prevalent in literally all of his films, where he he makes such interesting dynamics between couples. But mm. in particular, the boyfriend characters are just always well done. Um, mm. And whether it's through through being a red heron or through obviously the groundwork from the the original scream, and then kind of playing with that expectation throughout all of his other works. But I always think that those characters end up being really fascinating. Um, and I yeah. agree with you. I, I think it's completely prevalent here as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, final thoughts and obviously recommendations. Um, why don't Why don't you take it away? Yeah, this is a massive recommend. I I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think um, you know the the uh, w- we probably won't see a better slasher kind of um, you know movie like straight up slasher movie than Scream earlier this year. And then something like this comes out, and I'm like, my God, like, yeah, this mm. is one of the best Scream-like movies that we've seen for a long, long time as well. Like, it's it's crazy that these two have come out in the same year. Um, uh, but, yeah, th- this is great, and I think you should watch it. Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a seek it out and, and pay for this, not just wait for it to come in front of you, because I, I do think it's really fun, especially if you like, if you like a slasher. Like, if, if you like slashes, it's an absolute no-brainer, because this is a great one. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Like the the barrier for entry in terms of length is so short as well. Mm. Um, but it's a fantastic movie. Obviously, it's on Peacock in the states. So I think if you're already part of the subscription, I don't know how popular it is. Um, but it's certainly one to check out. I, I don't know. Hopefully, this will get like a wider release outside of the states because mm. people should definitely check it out. Um, I don't really know if like I'd have to look up what their other originals are and if they end up on different platforms internationally. Um, but and yeah as far as like the slasher thing goes it is fascinating because yeah i think if you look at just what we've done over the last seven years um this would easily be one of my favorite slashes that we've covered um and it is just funny that by far my favorite slasher that we've covered came out a few months ago um (laughs) so it's it's unfortunate because i think if this comes out last year in the wake of like those god-awful halloween movies and some other disappointments we'd be even higher on this than we already are and it's like and even you know scream last year very much liked it but scream this year was just to me so phenomenal and is, is still my number one movie of the year right now um so i'm like man that's the standard for not just slashes but horror films in general this year um and yeah it's been a, it's been a very good one like it's weird because we've had so many conversations about slashes specifically mm-hmm. for this show and you know do they still work were they always a bit too basic and have we you know kind of got to the point where we want a bit more merit in our films now and maybe that's why there isn't a place for slashes but my god has there been like a mini renaissance recently um even stuff like terrifier was doing such interesting stuff as well so it's like there is stuff out there definitely it's just uh maybe not like always the the big boys um but there, there are the big boys. Ghostface is still killing it, which Ghost is great. Ghostface is still killing it, for sure. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion on Sick. Uh, we will take a quick break and we will be right back. yeah we did have a uh, very interesting email this week um from cody who uh he got my attention immediately just on the title of the email um mm-hmm. which is just called dead alive and black phone where i was like oh you have my attention um yep. go on so he, cody <laughs> he says uh dear super horror brosidians um i think am i pronouncing that right Bro, no brosidans rather um he says uh, i have now graduated from college and i have more time to watch movies you know the good and the bad ones um well first of all cody congratulations um and i really hope you get to spend more time watching the good ones than the bad ones we already do that so I thought college was the time that you sat and watched a shit ton of movies though am i am i misremembering i think i think that's probably why we didn't do too well yeah exactly um but yeah um hopefully you'll see some many many good ones um but yeah he, he actually lists a few here so he starts off by saying um thanks killing and its sequel were both what you'd expect bad but funny but bad um i love, it. I love the like not only did he watch thanks killing he watched the sequel <laughs> that's what i loved about that so much had had you heard of thanks killing no but i want to watch it no i hadn't so i've just pulled up the uh, the wiki um because yeah this is <laughs> this is well, there's a, cody there's a third one I know, like, I he better tell us what he made of the third one. Um, I'm sure it's funny, but bad. Um, oh, brilliant. These are quite recent, 2007. Um, but the cover art of this movie is one of the best cover arts I've ever seen for a film. Um, yeah, I've got to watch this. Starring Turkey with a, with a tagline of gobble, gobble, motherfucker. And then it says in writing at the top, warning, boobs in the first second, which might be the funniest thing I've ever seen on a cover art of any film. <laughs> um i hadn't seen that one 
<laughs> it's on. It's that the main one on Wikipedia. Oh yeah, it's, it's the second one on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That's so brilliant. This movie also has a colossal budget of three thousand um, dollars. So my god, oh, I don't Larry, like the minutes. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if we ain't got a movie for next week, we might be doing Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just oh man, I, I saw there was another movie or series that Cody. I remember emailed us a while ago that was on on this level where I remember being like, "What is this film?" and looking it up, and yeah. it was this level of like yeah. not not even it. not even like um trauma, like like a level below that where it's like, man, these are micro budget films. But and I'm always just amazed that like I always say that people are able to get these films off the ground. I think these were like kickstarted as well, and like they have a like say a trilogy. There's a there's a musical spin-off of Thanks Killing. Like these guys are just living the dream. Um, and Cody is as well, clearly watching it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then he goes on to say rather d- different kettle of fish now. Uh, Black Phone uh, was amazing. Um, I loved how airy Ethan Hawke was, and all of the child actors were amazing. Um, I don't think this movie warrants a sequel. Uh, he mentioned some spoilers there, which I'll skip over because we don't need to say about them. Uh, but he says, I wonder how they would approach a sequel if they choose to do so. Um, obviously, we discussed in the news that they are pretty much guaranteed to do a sequel because this movie was a massive hit um i think it made something like over 10 times its budget but we did mention that um the last we heard was that joe hill had approached the director scott derrickson obviously joe hill the the amazing writer of the original short story and he had come up with an idea for a sequel and he presented that to scott and then scott was like oh if we do a sequel that's what we're doing so i'm with you that when i really liked that movie and was like yep they don't need to do another one but then hearing that i was like oh that's awesome um yeah Yeah, it's the right genesis of an idea to have a sequel you know mm. the only person that should bring black phone 2 into existence is joe hill so you know that that's a great start but yeah yeah black phone was a great standalone movie i also love the idea that he saw the movie version and was like here's my idea of where i think it should go Mm. forward here's the movie that i think you should make like that's so cool well Um, i love that level of collaboration that yeah mm. like you know black phone was a very short story it wasn't a fleshed out novel it was a short story then was fleshed out into this movie that then the original creator then sparks it's almost like this backwards and forwards and i and i i love that kind of you know yeah backwards and forwards of creativity between these two you know these two people and so yeah it would be fun to see what they do um but certainly wasn't yeah when that movie ended i wasn't like great next one please yeah exactly yeah, like yeah. like remember the quiet place remember when quiet place 2 ended and we were like wouldn't it be really sad if we never get a quiet place 3 yeah like that's the world we're in right now it is weird because i still think we will but it is weird when you're dealing with child actors like we've obviously mm. joked with stranger things and stuff but like you can't unless they do a no, big time jump <laughs> yeah like it's just I, I i know they could do a time jump but then it's like well then you're just gonna gloss over the in my opinion pretty cliffhangery ending of part two like it, it is weird and it's like yeah we're doing a spin-off and it's like yeah just give us a trilogy god damn it um mm. sort it out john um um he lastly says uh now on to dead alive uh holy cow i love this movie it reminds me of why peter jackson is an incredible filmmaker despite the age of the film it holds up pretty well have you guys seen this movie if not it's worth a watch um i feel like we mentioned this really recently we really Um, we we definitely did i i brought it up recently because i'd because obviously 
the issue we have is that over here it is called brain dead well it's actually so it's only called dead alive in north america and then it's called right. brain dead everywhere else so obviously in new zealand yeah. and, and the uk and stuff yeah. um but um but yeah it, it, it i can't remember why i think it was when i think it was during evil dead maybe maybe yeah i don't know but yeah it was recent weeks but yeah this movie is fantastic like it is one of the most goriest over the top you know it it almost outdoes evil dead in so mm. many ways which is which almost feels like sacrilege to say but it really does you know and it and it's it's so over the top and um you know i i think i i think of, of multiple scenes in this movie that i absolutely love the the fucking the fact that two zombies end up creating this baby mm-hmm. and there's this baby and you know the the scene with the lawnmower where he just destroys things the ending of the movie on the roof of the house with the the giant creation was just like yeah it's just it's just all craziness and yeah i loved it yeah, I completely like, agree. Like, I love Brain Dead, and I've been wanting to rewatch mm. it for ages. It's wild because you mentioned all those scenes, and like, man, I've probably not seen this movie for at least twenty years, uh, but I can remember all of those scenes that you're saying. So I think mm. it shows you that, like, it's not a movie that I've seen a lot. I've probably seen it yeah. two to three times ever, but it is so iconic that I remember all these scenes. But um, yeah, I've been waiting for ages mm. because obviously in 2018, um, Peter Jackson announced yeah. that he was going to restore Brain Dead as well as Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles for a 4k release mm. and i've been waiting i've been dying for that because i don't think i've seen either of bad taste or meet the feebles um have you seen uh, those i've seen bad films? taste but i haven't seen meet the feebles yeah so bad taste is his first film mm. as well, which is like it's criminal of me to have not seen it and so i was like yeah i'm so so sold on this yeah. um i desperately want this this triple pack of 4ks it will be an instant pre-order the second it's available but obviously yeah, we're Peter Jackson's doing it, so it's going to take like a decade. Which is know, exactly it's like, well, yeah, and it's already been five years, so it's like at, at a certain point, I'm going to have to just bite the bullet. But knowing that this is a tangible thing, had he never mentioned this, yeah, I know, I probably just bought bought a Blu-ray recently well, and watched it. Well, and the problem is, I believe Peter Jackson, mm. like he he will do this. Yeah, like, it's and how just... cool is that? The fact that he's going to do it, and like, say so he's going to do it right, so he's probably going to do like new commentaries and stuff. Like, just the idea of that is so exciting to me. And yeah, I can watch it and enjoy it, but I do want it. To, I would love for it to be this. Um, but I might have to kind of meet in the middle and be like, well, I've seen Brain Dead, so I might just watch Brain Dead at some point. Maybe I we'll love, have to watch I it together because it's a good one. Yeah, it is fantastic. It is up there as like a one that I really love, and I think. Um... Yeah, there there are so many scenes that come to my head when I think about it, and it's just so zany and and you know, rem, like I say, very reminiscent of Evil Dead, mm. very reminiscent of like Reanimator and 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 a lot of movies like that. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. But I think as well, like talking about Peter Jackson, I love someone that cares so much about their filmography, mm. like Peter Jackson, where he's not just worried about going forwards; he wants his movies from the past to look and continue to be the best they can possibly be and you know lord of the rings is this perfect trilogy that he makes better by restoring it to the absolute you know it's the best looking 4k you can have and and i'm like i love that he puts that level of care into his movies and now he's gone back to these these movies he did in like the you know was 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 um bad pace 70s Oh, no, 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 sorry, no, sorry, I'm, is, sorry, late 80s, because, yeah, um... He was 87. 
because um, Brain Dead is that ninety or was that in the? I think that was like ninety or ninety one or something. Uh, ninety two, like, ninety three. Yeah, so like you know, the fact that they're that long ago and he's bringing them like to, to a four K, that's that's great. Like I love it. Yeah, well, that's what's so awesome as well. It's like it, it'd be easy for him, who's now, you know, a big name, and obviously he has, in, in both of our opinions, I think the the greatest film trilogy of all time, and it would make sense for him to put love and care into that. But the fact that he mm. gives a shit about this, that a mm. lot of directors would would run away from it, and they wouldn't be proud that they made these ridiculous um, splatter horror films. Um, but he clearly yeah. loves that shit, and so I love him for that. He's mm. not like. It's not like, oh, I only mention, you know, Lord of the Rings and yeah, the Hobbit and, and King, King Kong. Kong. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, I'll, I'll mention this weird shit. And, like, it, it makes me think that, like, do we live in a world where he would make one of these again? Um, sure. I, I feel like that time has passed because that might have been during COVID where he might have been like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. something small. Like, I could have seen him do that in New Zealand. But I think I think the main issue is, is that they were the strictest during COVID. And that's why they got it settled so easily because they didn't allow yeah. anything. So I imagine he, he probably wanted i don't know if he still lives there or not but like if he wanted to do this um there then i imagine that probably wouldn't even possible um the problem with peter jackson is at this point in his life after being so like in the lord of the rings world i don't think he can just do a quick project i don't think that's his dna anymore to like just be like oh i need a palate cleanser i'm just gonna knock out a horror movie in like six months and it's like Mm. no he he needs to painstakingly work with Weta for like four and a half years <laughs> to, to just build a ship to get destroyed in the opening scene in the movie. Like that's that's where he, you know, he's gone James Cameron. Like, and he, when you go James Cameron, you can't go back. Like, <laughs> I, I, James Cameron just lives underwater now. That's, he, that's um, so he's not done a feature film since The Hobbit, um, which Jackson, is nine years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, and obviously he, he basically got addicted to documentaries, didn't he? Because he did the World War restoration stuff yeah. and then he did the Beatles thing. The Beatles, yeah. um, so that's obviously what he spent all of his time on. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he's doing now. Um, yeah, like, it's time. Yeah, he needs to do a feature film, definitely, because it's been yeah. nine years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for that one, Cody. Like some awesome topics in there. Such a, a wide array of movies to talk about, which is great. Um, but yeah, that is it for another week um, on the horizon. There's actually a very interesting movie finally out in the UK, which um, I've been dying to see. And I'm pretty sure you're very excited for it as well. Um, movie. We've seen that. It's great. Everyone go watch it. It comes, it comes digital now. We get no, watch I did it see again. that. Yeah. Is that um, not what we're doing next week? No, I don't think uh, so. Uh, we should do because it's obviously our namesake. But um, exactly, no, there's yeah. a, a certain director who um, is pretty, pretty special. Um, Ari Aster, of course. Like after putting out Hereditary and Midsummer in back-to-back years, which is is still mind blown to me that Midsummer came out a year after. Like I still can't believe that he done that. Um, but obviously, it's been four years since then, um, and he returns with not a horror film. Um, but I don't care. I really want to see Bo is Afraid. I think it's going to be so weird and interesting um, mm-hmm. at a time when we've got nothing else to talk about. Like, we could call an audible, and we we obviously want to see this movie anyway, so we can maybe, you know, discuss it off air afterwards. But I kind of am in, in the mode of just like, I don't care. I just want to see this movie. And I, and I guarantee you it'd be an interesting conversation. Well, as well, it's going to be 17 hours long as well. So, like, oh, that's the thing. We had a 75 minute movie this week to prep us because uh, Bo is Afraid is free hours long i I didn't i didn't even like 
Oh yeah, it's free hours. On time, but I just assumed it was gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> nope, it's free hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I can't wait. Um, where are you? Are you still? Are you still excited for this film? Less excited. No, no, it's three hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, I don't know. For me, it just works with him. Where I'm like, yeah, it could be. It's like Tarantino. Like where I'm like, yeah, it could be four hours. I don't care. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we shall see, but we're definitely going to be going to be checking this one out. But I am in the mindset of like, there isn't. It's not like we're going. Oh yeah, we're not seeing this horror movie. It's like, I mean, Wikipedia right now. This is a movie that's been out. When did this come out in America? Um, for April fourteenth, so a month ago. So people have seen this and know what it is. Um, it's described on Wikipedia as a surrealist tragic comedy horror film. Yeah, people don't know what it is. Exactly. So and it's got listen. I I just said the word horror. So um, we're seeing this next week. I can't wait. Um, so yeah, very very exciting indeed. Um, like we haven't been to the cinema what since Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I'm I'm been I've been dying to check out a new film. And yeah, this is I, it's so weird. This is finally here. Like this is one of those ones like a Jordan Peele one where I'm like, oh, I didn't think this would ever come out. Mm. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It snuck up. Yeah, like talking about it in the news and when it was slowly, the pieces were coming out. I remember it being described as a nightmare comedy. It was like the first thing that we talked about with mm. this film. And then it was like, oh, and Joaquin Phoenix star. And it was right off the back of Joker and him winning the Oscar. And it was like, what's his next film? Oh, it's Ari Aster's next project. Like, how insane is that? Yeah, so, yeah, really? I cannot wait that this one's finally out. Um, but, yeah, that is it for another week. Uh, that was episode 348. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. And we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. I never could, how could I start that?